0: Hello and welcome to the Who Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. Joining me from Las Vegas, Nevada, where he's still covering the Summer League, is Tim Monte.
1: By the time you're listening to this, I'll be back in the world's greatest city. i quite happy.
0: Well, where is that? Akron, it's Ohio? It's not Omaha. It's not, Omaha, <laughs> it's not Akron,
1: boss. It's, <laughs> How dare you? It's New York. I New dare. York City. Could include a bleep in there if I wanted, but New York City. From, the, from the
0: greatest city in North Texas... Happy to be paroled from Las Vegas and Salt Lake summer leagues, it's Ben McMahon.
2: Howdy, partners! Is that my theme song? Just don't sing it again, please. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: got enough of that the other day.
0: All right, we got. We start with. We have breaking news. It's fortunate that we have breaking news at the start mm. of a podcast in mid-July. Very rarely play can the we talk play about the claxon,
1: Jackson. Play the claxon. ESPN breaking, breaking news.
0: Breaking news. LeBron James is not retiring. Oh,
2: my gosh. We're wow, hanging LeBron. on
0: the edge of our seat.
2: Ooh, pens and needles, baby. Wow.
1: Ooh.
2: I got Listen, that update man. from
1: the ESPYs last night, and I almost fainted out of my chair. I was like, oh, man, I didn't know. Didn't the thing know. about it is,
0: is LeBron was being you know, mildly condescending when he said, lucky you. That day's not today. But having said that, it is lucky us because yeah. – um, When LeBron is gone, we're going to miss the hell out of him. So uh, it is actually lucky us. So, um, but having said that, while I admit that the entire NBA is, is fortunate and blessed that he's going to play year 21 and probably 22, he, he should deserve a rap across the knuckles for that little act that he, you know, played you know when they lost game four to the Nuggets. And like I said at the time, I'll respect that he was saying it because I don't know what he was doing, but. It was, it was, it was difficult not to roll your eyes at the time. The guy just wasn't on the all NBA team Has two years and a hundred million left on his contract and has talked openly and seriously about playing with his son, which would not happen until 2024, mm-hmm. 25 at the earliest. Um, and I know is he played through injuries and stuff, but he's always playing through injuries. So, um, the Lakers certainly operated throughout the offseason like he was coming back. But, hey, listen, he said it on ESPN. He, he showed up for the SPs, which is terrific uh, for, for him to do that. He accepted an award and said he was coming back. Um, but at least we can – I mean, we haven't even talked about it for six weeks. I mean, so he, listen. But hey, look, it's fun. just a
1: capper to the greatest offseason in the history of offseasons. LeBron James <laughs> is back. Lock up, lock up the championship parade. Rob I mean, the, him back. I mean, I mean <laughs> listen, listen. It just, it just, he just keeps on, he keeps on having the hits this summer. I mean, look, LeBron did this in after that series because they got swept, mm-hmm. and it was a way to distract from that. And the, the rap on the knuckles should be for anybody who ever actually seriously considered the idea that he was not going to be playing next season. That that's the that's the extent of my commentary on that. It's, well, to your alone. point, it's great. LeBron is still playing because LeBron is hugely entertaining. It's so awesome, and let's have him stick around for a while.
2: LeBron absolutely earned the sarcastic mocking from Michael Malone after the championship when I believe it was on. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I, I, guys, I'm thinking about retiring. Yes, yes, he absolutely earned that. And kind of the, the funniest thing about this story was people in the bronze orbit having to pretend like it was a serious story, right? Whether that's <laughs> Media folks, you know, Palinka and and Darwin Ham. The next day, next interval oh, we hope he comes back. Like the guy <laughs> was fresh off scoring forty points, playing basically, I think, all but four seconds, forty-eight four minutes, yeah, in 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 game four. I mean, it was the epitome of a silly storyline, deflecting from getting swept, sure, whatever, whatever it was. And uh, you know, the thing about LeBron, he has been in the not just national international spotlight since what was he 16 when he was on the sports illustrated cover, 16, 17, whatever it was. And I think the worst thing that you can say about LeBron is he does tend to uh, crave the spotlight. Like what's the biggest mistake LeBron's ever made the decision. Oh, okay. He announced where he was going to free agency with too much spotlight, you know, all things considered whoop the damn do file. Well, i in the camp
0: lead. that the decision has aged well maybe not the presentation on the broadcast but the but no, no, so i'm saying i'm
2: capital won. t capital d the decision the the yeah. you know the, the the platform the way if that like if that's the biggest misstep of a guy's uh life in the spotlight you know he's going on almost a quarter century like in the top spotlight uh, of the world of athletics then okay big deal and this is you know, file this in the hay. LeBron wanted to be the center of attention when it should have been the spotlight should have been on the Denver Nuggets. Whoop-de-do. Now, speaking of uh, storylines that we're supposed to pretend like we're taking seriously, now that we know LeBron's not retiring, I guess it's time to really focus on Kyrie Irving trying to recruit LeBron to Dallas. Okay, <laughs> crank up the trade machine. Let's figure out how can the Mavericks pull off this trade that LeBron apparently might be requesting if Kyrie's recruiting efforts are successful, then get Rob Palenka to agree to it. Hey, I was, I was looking, I think we can go like, it's, it's tougher now that they dumped Davis Berton's salary. Can we go like Hardaway? away? Got <laughs> throw JaVale McGee in there. Um, honestly. That wait. brings
1: JaVale home. Bring JaVale home to LA. Continue the great off season in LA. <laughs> hey, I punched up it.
2: something that I, I punched up something that would work. Um from a salary standpoint and obviously it's just like a totally ridiculous four for one deal that Rob Palenka would have, would not just hang up his phone, but throw it into the Pacific ocean. If if this was seriously uh, like brought to him (laughs) and, and the little like, how many wins does it add? How many does it does it subtract? It was plus twelve for the Mavericks, minus eleven for the Lakers. So, <laughs> good, good luck, Kyrie. It's a
0: twenty three win trade.
2: <laughs> yeah. first you got to convince LeBron. Hey, leave that Western Conference Finals team um, down the street from where your son's going to be playing. Perhaps his only season of college basketball. You've got two more kids at home, uh, you know, Hollywood and all that. And then get Pelinka. T- but hey. We're pretending to take absolutely ridiculous stories seriously. So let's focus on this now. I also
0: think he's in the process of building like a hundred million dollar compound in Beverly Hills. Like he bought this here. He bought another compound. And I don't remember. I'm not in the L.A. I know there's L.A. real estate uh, mm-hmm. junkies. I'm not one of them. It was owned by some well-known people, but it's this giant piece of land you know, in Beverly Hills, which is obviously not cheap. He paid tens of millions of dollars for it. Then he tore everything. He's in the process of tearing everything on the property down and rebuilding it up. Who knows what's going to be on that property. Right. There might be, you know, in a. I re- I just saw a picture of, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes mansion in Kansas city. And he has a golf like range and putting green and like, a- like a golf hole on his mansion. Um, <laughs> Uh, who knows he's, what he's LeBron's the put.
2: backyards, the top golf,
0: <laughs> essentially, essentially, uh, who, who knows what LeBron's going to have what's on that lot, but he's building it to be in Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, he's, that's where he's going to be. And it's not going to be ready. Obviously this year, well, listen, we uh, got
2: there. There's land in Dallas. You might be able to build like a wave pool, right. And make it <laughs> pretend like you're at the beach, you know, import some sand I don't It'll know be if great.
0: in the ocean. I will say this, way, not that I I'm complaining,
2: do complaining, but, uh, Bontem's face has disappeared. There it is. Oof, I like it <laughs> better the other way.
0: It, Big uh, Ben. I don't want to get too technical on you. What you're seeing is not what the viewer is going to see. Oh, my bad. Just, okay, just so you know. Okay. All right. We have soft. We have new software here. That's what all. are you, you trying to uh, replace
2: the IT department? You're not up for that, buddy.
0: No, no, I am not interested. Uh, I will say this: I do think that LeBron has a interest in playing with Kyrie Irving again.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: he. I think he likes the idea of playing with Kyrie the concept of playing with Kyrie and Anthony Davis. I have long said that the best big man pairing that LeBron's ever had in terms of pure fit is Anthony Davis. I believe the best guard pairing LeBron's ever had yeah. is Kyrie Irving. That would be an ideal pairing, but he was now never going to figure out
2: how to make the salaries match for LeBron <laughs> and AD.
0: Well, that's, that's right. It wouldn't be going to Dallas. It would have been coming to LA. Oh. That was the way it was going to happen. Oh. But we have salary caps and stuff that's, you know, they're in place so that Dallas can keep their talent and not every player in the league goes to the Lakers or the Knicks or the heat where they want to go. And so the, the, the talent sharing, the NBA teams share revenue and they share talent. Although Dallas is a big market, it doesn't really need anything per se. Uh, Dallas kept its talented player because of the rules. Kyrie yeah. was unwilling to take less than market value. His market value was three years, $120 million. So well, the Lakers couldn't in, pay him
2: that. In um, yeah. And the other thing, though, is the Lakers did not make an attempt to create the kind of cap space to where they could have made a deal that it would have been very difficult, really uh, probably impossible, although I don't have the numbers in front of me, to, for them to get to that level. But if you know, if they would have let – if they would have moved Vanderbilt, which would have been very easy to do, if they would have not brought back uh, D'Angelo Russell, they could have gotten ballpark-ish and at least given Kyrie a decision to make. The Lakers opted not to do that, despite the fact that LeBron lobbied for a trade before the deadline, You know, kind of uh, complained about it not getting done after Kyrie ended up in Dallas um but you know he he didn't that i'm aware of do any kind of public lobbying uh after the playoffs
0: no he seemed like you know you're reading social media and trying to you know i don't know but he seemed like he was supportive of the lakers offseason yeah. so the, the other thing is is that after in the wake of the russell westbrook trade where everybody ran away from it with their hands up like i had nothing to do with that i had nothing to do with that i do think lebron has altered his status with, you know, using influence on the team building. I think he is. I think everybody was scarred from that one. Um, And who knows exactly how that all went down, but I'm sure there's, everybody's going to have their own story. Um, Well, and the other
2: thing is he has legitimate reason for optimism, like most competitive sweep in NBA history, but it was in the Western (laughs) conference finals, right? They did make a deep playoff run. Austin Reeves is absolutely an ascending talent. Um, you know, I, I, we can d- debate and or discuss whether Rui Hachimura's postseason was a flash in the pan or a sign of things to come. But if you're if you're putting on purple and gold glasses, you can convince yourself, hey, that's a a young player who's on the rise. I mean, there's reason to feel good about coming back to the the, the Lakers uh, following that playoff run. That you know. Means- that
0: fit- That famous LeBron quote we've talked about before after he lost, after they lost the two games to the Raptors in that one conference finals with the Cavs and it was Mm -hmm. 2-2. And then they came back and won the next two games, uh, five and six. And he said, I've been in a lot of adverse situations. This was not one of them. I've seen a lot of uncompetitive sweeps that was not one of them
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah let can we stop talking about this being an uncompetitive a competitive sweep who cares they got swept like no, I'm not trying to turn this into like Laker bashing like, but let, somebody said debating to me the other how day, competitive the sweep was is not worth our time I know but hey, I've, been, being- I've
0: been i've been I've been horsewhipped on it. The the so um, you're a wicked
1: he, witch, Bob. Tim's riding
2: the bronze broom. Stop it, man! Let, let <laughs> just wave that bronze broom around. Let, them, let Yeah. Them well, the it. other
0: day somebody asked me like, who was a bigger threat with where they are now, or who, who was a bigger threat, the Suns or the Lakers, to the Nuggets? And I was like, well, the the Suns were the bigger threat already this year. And they this yeah. guy looked at me like he was horrified. I said this.
2: I <laughs> they like, won two
0: games. <laughs> it's demonst- it's demonstrably... <laughs> it's, it's, it's elementary. Right. I mean, one was six games. One was four. Yeah. So let's just keep that clear. All right. Speaking of well, the I Suns, to, What? Go ahead, before, Bartem, just, sorry. I've been just to there.
1: set. No, no, it's all good. I just wanted to set up. I think it sets up the sun's conversation a little bit because it's been something I've been talking about a lot here in Vegas and people, I think there's one team in the West that I feel I can lock into a playoff spot next season. And that's Denver because Jokic never gets hurt. and, They're going to be really good. But I think if you go from two down to 11, just in order, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Wolves, the Pelicans, the Thunder, and the Mavs, I think you can make a case for all those teams to finish in the top six, obviously some higher in it than others. And I think you could make a case with injuries or age or whatever for all those teams that they're fighting for a playing spot or finish in 11th.
2: Hold on, like, I got a I got a the, call from the
1: eight hundred one. Yeah, yeah, Salt Lake City. What? Oh, you. you, you the be really
2: competitive this
0: year.
1: Well, I I don't I don't think Utah is going to be. in I that got a same call mix. from
0: seven one three. Hello, Houston. <laughs> Fred Van Vliet. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Absolutely. Jeff Green. Gonna bring in the ring. Yep. Okay. Uh, Sorry, potting.
2: Dylan Brooks worth every dime. Oh, I. I'm not that good but of I. I a just. Bunch of dimes.
1: That has been a big topic of discussion here is how competitive from a depth standpoint the West is. And there are going to be two or three really good, good to really good teams that don't make the playoffs. And there's going to be five teams that are good to really good teams that aren't in the top six. So like the depth across the West, and you could even, we're going to talk about it later. When you just look at the groups for the in-season tournament, The bottom of the East Groups, like yeah I don't know, not a lot of great stuff there. Look at the bottom of these west groups. It there's a lot of depth across the conference that's gonna make the playoff push pretty interesting next season. More Hoop Collective Podcast after this.
0: Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. I have a piece that published on Thursday on ESPN.com about the uh, Phoenix Suns. I had an opportunity to talk to Matt Ishbia, their new uh, owner. Still knew he's only been on the job for less than six months. Talked to James Jones, team president. Talked to Josh Bartlestein, team CEO, about their off-season moves. And I'm just going to say that when I met Matt Ishpia, uh, one of the times I went to Phoenix, actually it was the alleged first game for Kevin Durant where he had that freak ankle sprain yeah. where we were sitting there eating the pregame meal and somebody from the Suns walked in and said, hey, uh, Durant's inactive. And we went, ha, ha, ha. No Durant's inactive. (laughs) Um, anyway, um, I met Matt that night, and I said to him, "You know, this is just crazy. You doing this Kevin Durant trade the first day you had on the job? I go, that could you could own the team for twenty years and never have a trade or a decision or something like to do like that." I go, "It's it's 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 nothing like nothing I've ever seen." And he kind of looked at me like funny. He was like. Uh, he says, no, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of big deals. You know, he just sort of said it matter of factly, but like he rejected my premise that his biggest move was going to be on his first day. And the Bradley Beal trade was not as big as the Durant trade, just to be clear. Although it was a, a different type of trade because they had to, I wrote about the meeting that they had with him and uh, with Bradley and his wife um, at a hotel suite in New York on father's day weekend. Cause they had to, before they could do the deal, they had to get Brad to, say, I'll, I'll waive my no trade clause. But the thing that Matt made extraordinarily clear in this story where he's on the record and let me just say, it's not often that team owners go on the record, um, exclusively and talk about moves like this. And, you know, and he basically is like, yeah, we're doing these deals because I want to do big deals. I want to do big thing, big things and we're going to win. And yeah, we traded away draft picks, but we're going to figure it out. And I was like, okay, like um, there's no doubt about that. And I'll say the sons were established in 1968. So they've been around for 55 years. What transactions were bigger than the Durant and the Bradley Beal transactions in 55 years, the Barkley trade, the Nash. I was going to say it's,
2: a, it's an extremely short list that you even come up in the conversation and you know, the headline quote that, that, Matt with one T gave you, and it's one T for flopping. His de- his flopping denial. We'll we'll discuss that in a little bit. One, they've got to start the season off with a technical foul for that flop. Okay, he can't flop anymore. It was a technical foul. It was on Jokic. I know. Retroactively, they should start the season with whoever their their opener is. They they get a technical free throw. But regardless of that, you know, we're going to win at everything we do. And hey, hell of a philosophy, quite a goal. Not realistic. Like that's not the way things it's, work. It's not
0: quite light years ahead, but it's in the same genre.
2: Because like you're gonna win at everything you do, okay, but at a certain point you're going to run out of options. And like that point is pretty close to now. But what they have is a legitimate window here. And hey, he got the Durant deal done. You know, the the Beal pitch worked. So they've got arguably the best star trio in the NBA. Give him and James Jones and Josh Bartlestein And, you know, according to some people, Isaiah Thomas credit for filling out that roster with a legitimate supporting cast, winning recruiting battles for uh, coveted minimums is kind of an oxymoron. But these are guys who, you know, had, as you pointed out in the story, they had options and they filled out to where I think they do have. A, a decent rotation. Um, I still think they've got a DeAndre Ayton situation that needs to be resolved. Um, I think it would be awfully dicey to have him on the roster come training camp for uh, a, a variety of reasons, primarily uh, related to chemistry. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. When you've got three stars, decent supporting cast, like. I do think Pontemps, you can pencil in the, the Phoenix Suns
1: as a playoff team.
2: I, I, I disagree with your premise of, of two through 11. You don't know, like the Suns will be a playoff team.
1: I mean, let's see if their guys all play 65 or 70 games or if they play 45 or 50 games. History has shown they're all going to play 45 or 50 games. And if they do that, they're going to be in the play-in mix. Like, that that's all I'm not get, saying they they're going to miss the playoffs. Games
2: out of those three guys. they will be a playoff team.
1: I mean, I probably cause eight of the 11 are going to make it. I just, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent. That's all. I'm not saying the Suns are going to miss the playoffs, but like there are a lot of really good teams. Nobody was saying the Mavericks are going to miss the playoffs last summer. You know, they finished 11th. Like there's just for the, all these teams for different reasons, they're all flawed. And I, Like, again, it's easy to say if they all play 150 games combined, they're going to make the playoffs. But that's a lot of minutes that you're rolling out there with guys that, yes, if they're the fourth or fifth guys on the court, you feel pretty good. If they're the first or second guys on the court, you're not feeling as good. So, I mean, I think the Suns will be in the playoffs too, but it it more speaks to me to just the depth of talent across the West. And there's just going to be – very few nights where you're going to have an easy matchup in the western conference and teams like Minnesota and Oklahoma City and Dallas that weren't in, in the top 8 last year are going to be really good. And even team even a team like Utah that I don't think has much of a chance of even being in the play-in mix like we saw last year, you play them on any given night, they're going to be a hard team to play. That that was more the point than trying to take a shot at Phoenix or the Lakers or somebody. Those teams just have some downside risk where if they have some injuries, it's going to be easy to lose a few games. And all of a sudden, you're in a tighter spot than you expect.
0: Well, that's the point of getting three, the superstar redundancy. So yep. you're protected. You are correct. If all three of them suffer injuries that knock them out for big chunks, they're in trouble. I would say that you would say that for any team that would suffer losses to their top. Well, three players. the difference is true. their
1: guys always get hurt. That's the uh, you could say that about any team, but like they, these guys have a track record of missing significant time. That's why it's more relevant for them. It's not like the the Heatles when those guys were all in their primes and healthy and played all the time. Like you know these guys, it's like the Clippers. You just have to assume Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to miss twenty to thirty games because they miss twenty to thirty games every year. And that's the suns at this point, until we see those guys play seventy games, you have to just assume they're gonna play fifty five or less,
0: yeah, well, let me just say that I mean i did a I did a lot of talking to the suns uh you know inside the suns and outside the suns before I wrote this story. I spent days and days and days on the phone, and um you know there is something to be said for you want your team to go get the best players. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, you you know, if you see, you see fans and they say, okay, uh, now, you know, now you, you got Durant, now go get someone else because they've seen teams acquire multiple players and he is doing it. Like it, it is a school of thought. It may not end up being a school of thought that's productive, but he's doing it. And he, the reason he did this interview is I think he wanted people to know like this is his call. This is his, he led the meeting on Beal. He did part of the negotiations with Joe Josiah to get Durant. It's on him. And, you know, I talked to James Jones about it. I was like, look, how do you feel about this? You built a team that reached the finals. You, you know, the, what, what, what the team had to trade, which was Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson You know, you brought those guys in, you found them, you drafted them, the picks. Those were what you, you know, you built the finals team without trading your first round picks into the future. You had those things. And he was like, look, we were in limbo for so long. And, you know, the things that, you know, that James won't talk about is the trades that they could have made maybe a year ago, but Robert Sarver was sort of stuck with where he was at. Potential, spending of money i'm not saying necessarily in free agency but what they could have done in other ways he was like we were in limbo he goes
1: Mm -hmm.
0: matt came in and said this is going to be the direction of our franchise and we're going to pour all of our resources into it and we're going to do it and so they have basically executed the vision of the owner the owner came in and said get me star players get me them right now I don't care about our 2027 20, uh, first-round pick. I don't care if we have to swap picks in 2028. 20, get me star players and get them to me now. And James Jones went out there and helped make it happen. And so that's the mandate. And I I'm not taking a position on it because I do think it it is a a little bit more risky for than my for my uh, taste, but. I get why if you're a Suns fan especially a Suns fan for a long time who watched them just be absolutely irrelevant for a decade I I can understand why you love the fact this guy is doing this especially you know again when you watch Sarver pass up on the opportunity to maybe maximize what those teams could have been in that in that window
2: Yeah look next 2 or 3 years in Phoenix have a chance to be really really fun they are on the short list of teams that if things break right, they're going to have a legitimate chance to to win a championship. But I'm I'm just saying that it is a short window. 2027, like it could be pretty painful there. It, I, I I I think it's gonna be very difficult for them to extend the window. But that was the case. Like when they when they went all in on Kevin Durant and gave up what they gave up. For Kevin Durant, which, by the way, immediately turned the Nets into a team that has a chance to make another big splash trade, despite the fact they don't control any of their own draft capital. When they made that move, it was it was uh you know that window was was opened and is essentially defined, and then the Beal thing is just doubling down on it. But like the the, the idea of hey, they're going to be able to you know pull off magic tricks and continue to. To operate like that um, without a, a not just a dip, but like a roller coaster type of thing. I just, I'll believe that when I see it.
1: Well, look, they had to give up two future first round swaps to save money because they've spent so much money and to get three second round picks because they traded all their second round picks, right? Like they, they are, you know, since Sishby is in the mortgage business, they are leveraged to the hill. <laughs> and they, they are. are like, and look, they've never won a title. They've had a ton of success as a franchise. That's the one thing they've never done. And yeah, maybe this will work out. And if it does, as Brian has very eloquently said a bunch of times, it means that they'll never have to say they're sorry. They'll have their championship. They could have all the parades, and it'll be great. But this is a extraordinarily high-risk, mm-hmm. high-reward strategy. And there's a lot of downside to it, particularly because all these guys just – I am interested about the fit. I'm interested about their defense and I'm interested about their health and yeah, if they all are healthy and play a ton of games, it could work out great. Um, but the West is going to be really tough and, um, you know, they just, it's, it's going to be really, it's going to be really fun and interesting to see how this thing looks. And like we've talked about a bunch, is Bradley Beal going to go back to being the guy who was an all NBA caliber guard, or is he going to be the guy who was the past couple of years, who was a top 40-ish player in the league? Well, I think that's a pretty huge question too.
2: Well, that, the, another way to look at it is, will Bradley Beal be the best, third best player in the NBA? And uh, I think even if he's a, a top 40-ish type of guy, there, there's a pretty good chance of that. Because they don't necessarily the, – the it's not, hey, we need Bradley Beal to come in here and score 30 points. It's we need Bradley Beal to come in here and play off of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Um, you know, I, I and I think a a big reason they didn't really have a chance against the nuggets. Obviously Chris Paul got hurt, but that happens. um, is just because there was too much on Durant's plate at that age, thirty four years old, not only to have the the workload in terms of minutes, but in terms of usage, like it's you just cannot expect his efficiency to be at his extremely high, Normal levels, and you know, with a by his standards pretty inefficient Kevin Durant, they didn't have a chance to to keep up with the Nuggets. And in the, in the games that they won, um, those two games, like Devin Booker was historically prolific and efficient. Uh, KD was put up a lot of points in both. One was pretty inefficient. One was really good. But now they've at least got another guy who. You know that can chip in on that. He doesn't. be doesn't need to be a superstar. Doesn't need to be an all star. If he's just very good, he's the number three guy
1: there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think he's got to be better than that. But we'll we'll agree to disagree. Well, uh,
0: one of the things about when you hear about when you hear Matt Ishbia, Matt Ishbia is that the dominant voice in this story. Um, when he talks, is that <clears throat> one of the things I've watched do owners and. In the time I've covered the league, I think 15 or 16 teams have changed hands. Another handful have had have different governors where the owner either passed away or, or just stepped aside. Um, but like 15 or 16 teams since I've been covering the league have sold. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I've watched uh, be a thing with owners coming in is that even though they are very intelligent, most of them, if not all of them, are self-made, um, and they certainly understand Strategy and philosophy and aggression. But one of the things that I think is a hard thing for them to sort of calculate is the zero sum nature of the NBA. What I mean by that is there is only so many wins available, there is only so many teams that can declare a season victory. Um, Dan Gilbert, owner of the Cavs, and Matt Ishbia, owner of the Suns, are major business rivals. They operate and compete every day in Detroit as national uh, mortgage companies. They steal people from each other. They backstab each other. There's probably espionage and, and you know corporate stuff going on. Who knows what gets said? I don't even try to imagine. And at the end of the day, they're both fabulously wealthy billionaires. Right. They, I mean, maybe, maybe Ishbia one year has a better year and pulls ahead, and maybe another year Gilbert has a better year and they pull ahead, whatever. But at the end of it, they're still both filthy rich. And even though the guys in the, in, who sit in the, in the women who sit together in the rooms in, um, you know, and do the NBA, even though in some cases they are business partners, in some cases they're business adversaries, they're all in that room. They all, it all works. They can all 30 of them have a great financial year. They can't all have a good business year Mm -hmm. for every team that rises. Another team must fall. David Stern used to preach this. You know, You, you there's only there's a finite amount of wins. And that nature, where a team can actually do a bunch of things correct, you can make the correct aggression, you can pick the best trades, you can make great strides in the draft, and you can still not win. Because, because there is only so many available. And that, you know, um, Ishbia has been very aggressive, like he was in building his company to where it is. Like, I'm sure you know, and I even spoke to him about this. I'm not looking for a a history of how he built his company. Um, That's written in a different area. That's not what we do at ESPN, but I'm sure he has done moves like this. I mean, he is very audacious in his life. What he does, he, the audacious moves that he has made since he came over mirror the audacious moves he made to turn his company. I think um, his father operated this mortgage company and had like 10 employees when he brought Matt on, when he graduated college. Now it's this conglomerate, right? I'm sure he made audacious moves in there. But the audacious moves for the Suns in a zero-sum game, it's, it's harder. It's a closed system.
2: More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: sign up today claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package if only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast the truth is all the lift big get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at OnePeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Uh, Okay, Bontemps, you've got some trivia.
1: And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. We just talked a bunch about the Suns. Haven't won a championship. What is the team? What is the franchise in the NBA that has the highest winning percentage without ever winning a championship?
0: Phoenix Suns.
1: It's not the Phoenix Suns. They are second.
2: Memphis Grizzlies.
1: It is not the Memphis Grizzlies. They are Thunder. pretty far down the list. The Thunder uh, won
2: one in Seattle. The, the,
1: Thunder, the, oh. the Thunder are considered part of the Sonics still, I believe.
0: Okay. Didn't consider that but going court. off
1: going off of Stathead, they are third on my list. Or not third on my list, but they're there's they're no below, way that the Nets have the
2: best the- record.
1: Nope. It's Pacers. The Nets. Indiana is uh decent ways down. Not God, them. We
2: we suck at this. Um well hell, I'm just going from teams that have never won a championship. Magic.
1: Uh it's not Orlando. Hornets. Uh, definitely not the Hornets. Cannot possibly he be. He's he
0: just guessing now. Portland.
1: Portland? <laughs> no, Portland won. Portland. Did, Portland. I'm, Portland so has won. Won. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Spirit of '77. I take it That's all right. back. I was born in Utah. Jazz. Jazz. What do you want from me? <laughs> it's got to be the Utah Jazz. The, the Utah Jazz are the answer. There you go. 54. I should have gotten that one. 54 percent winning percentage. Eight and one franchises. Hello. <laughs> among among current NBA twenty franchises, consecutive are, playoff years. Among current NBA franchises, they are fourth in winning percentage. San Antonio, Boston, the Lakers, Utah, and Phoenix are in the top five. Latter it is remarkable.
0: It is remarkable that Phoenix has never won a title. They have the advantages that Utah doesn't.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Listen, that's one thing. And we saw it when in the minimum market. Phoenix is going to be somewhere that guys want to play. Like, they like the weather during the season, they like you know, the access to the golf during the season. They like the uh, ability to make a little scoot over to Scottsdale and, you know, enjoy a little bit of uh, a lifestyle. And then, you know, Low state income tax
0: too. Very low. I mean, not that, I don't think, I don't think many players are making their judgments based on income tax, but, it is an advantage. It certainly, yeah, they have used it as a weapon over the years. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the, the Mavericks have <laughs> attempted with the no state income tax in Texas and not quite succeeded there. But, like, if you're choosing between 2% and 13%, now all else is equal. It's not a bad tiebreaker. But, yeah, they'll, they'll be able to recruit there. But again, they'll be able to recruit to minimums because the handcuffs are in place. Golden handcuffs, diamond encrusted, whatever you want to call them, they're in place. Bontemps,
0: you attended um, Adam Silver, um, took questions. He didn't actually hold a press conference this week after the Board of Governors meeting where they approved um, some expanded replay. Boy, did that make my day, expanded replay. That's what what I need is, if we expand replay, we have to ban players waving their finger around. If you're going to give a... If you're going to give a technical foul for flopping in the oh. game, <clears throat> I think you give a technical foul for a player standing up after, you know, <laughs> getting called for a block and yelling wave. No, no, no. My, my,
2: my favorite is when Luca does it and looks at Jay Kidd. And Jay Kidd has his hands in his pocket and acts like he's looking at the replay just so he doesn't have to make eye contact with Luca. <laughs> <laughs> he's
0: he's back drinking that Diet Coke on the sideline or whatever. <laughs> just Just filled. so
1: people just so people are aware that it isn't necessarily expanded replay if a coach gets his first challenge correct he wins his first challenge he gets a second one um though they, is they that still, more replay or,
0: or might do I not understand the word expanded I just
1: I'm just I'm just I'm just making it clear cuz in the past they've expanded replay to like cover more things this is just you get another challenge if you win it like okay. in the NFL that's and okay. then, and
2: then there's it. also the new flop rule. It's, it's it's a technical foul, but not one that can count towards an ejection. And I actually witnessed. I I thought it was the first flop. It turned out there was one in the old California Classic the night before. But I was in Salt Lake City, and a God, I forget who it was. I don't even remember what team it was. But some poor guy, I thought he got nailed in the chin, and he got called for a flopping technical foul. So that that that's an interesting one. Like I said. Uh, the the Suns should retroactively have the first official one um, in a game that actually matters, but we'll see what the NBA does about that. I did
0: <laughs> I did ask Matt Ishbia about the Jokic play play incident. He he, uh, lied. he hadn't talked a about moment. it publicly. The Ishbia he hadn't moment talked about it. Uh, I thought it was going to kind of be lighthearted because you know time has passed and whatever. And um, he swears not. he put. He put it, no, it was, he was fine. But like, I thought he was like, yeah, I flopped. I did. I wanted it to look bad, but no, he was like, well, one thing he did say, which was fair. He's like, the whole thing happened in like two and a half seconds. Like, you know, it, you know, on the replay, it looks like I was contemplating, but I, that's fair. Um, the other thing is, is that the ball, he didn't grab the ball. The ball bounced into his hands
1: you know he, didn't it wasn't let like go. he went and grabbed the ball and like <laughs> he held it he certainly wasn't giving it, it back though he sure didn't let go
0: that's true <laughs> and um but he said he was just holding his hands up because he didn't want anybody to think that he was touching Jokic. you know he didn't want to be
2: impeding him. and, and the then what about this part of it what about when the hands flew back <laughs> oh and he goes flying back into his seat what about that part
0: he did say that uh, Booker and Durant uh, individually sought him out and applauded him for earning the team uh, a point. Books said that in press message. conference after the game. <laughs> yeah, he was very he was very happy about that. So um, make of it what you will. Anyway, Bon Temps uh, um, Silver did not hold his normal question and answer session with reporters. He did have a question and answer session. With the Associated uh, Press sports editors, a bunch of sports editors from the nation have a um, had a convention in Vegas, and he took questions from them. You were there. I know you asked a few questions, even though you're not a sports editor, and you won't be editing this podcast anytime. Damn soon. sure That's don't sure. have management um, potential. Uh, what did you take away from what he said?
1: Uh, my lead was on him saying that there's no. Uh, plans to have sovereign wealth funds own teams in the foreseeable future. Uh, I thought that was an interesting thing. I asked him that question. I wanted to see what his response to that would be. I mean, listen, you can, you can mock me for this, but uh, we, if you've paid any attention to what's gone on with live golf, uh, you know, the, the sovereign wealth funds are moving into American sports. They've obviously taken over European soccer in many respects and, Adam can say what he wants. My just personal opinion is with the Qatari Sovereign Wealth Fund now buying into Monumental Sports, which owns the Nationals and the Mystics and the Washington Capitals, or the, not the Nationals, the Wizards, the Mystics and the WNBA. They might own the Washington Nationals before
0: the, end of the, before the end.
1: They might own the Nationals soon. Ted Leontes has been in talks to buy them for a while. This is a topic that's going to come up, and I there's going to be a day when the NBA is going to have to make a decision about um, one of these groups potentially buying a team and, right, and having cool. a controlling interest in a team. What'd you say? I
2: said, all right, cool. I only pay attention to golf when I want to take a nap. So,
1: well, that's yeah, fine, we're talking about the NBA, buddy. <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's gonna be is you know right now there's a limit they can only own up to five percent of teams and you know the NBA you know Silver made it very clear that they want to have individuals owning these teams and they don't want these groups having a controlling interest. But then in the next answer, he said the the quiet part out loud, which is why this is going to be an issue, which is that they're running out of people who have the funds to be the individual person to buy these seams. And that with the rising valuations and the amount of money these sovereign wealth funds have, that is going to be a storyline in the years to come to watch. And so I thought it was interesting for him to say that on the record. I think the more sexy topic to talk about, which we can now get into, is he once again didn't run away from expansion being a thing and has once again laid out the timeline of when this is going to happen, which is CBA got done. That's now officially done. The TV deal is going to be negotiated. It's up after the 2024-25 season. Mm-hmm. But I think it will probably be done sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. Is my guess. It's usually done pretty far ahead of when the next deal goes into effect. And then once that's done, expansion is going to be on the table. And he it all. He also made it fairly clear that the two places they're going to expand are here and in Seattle. Yeah. So I think at this point we can pretty much wipe away the idea of if this is going to happen, and it's just a matter of when on the calendar these teams are going to start. Is it going to be the 26-27 season? Is it going to be the 27-28 season? But it feels like that is going to be much more of a certainty at this point than even a year or two ago, because at this point, they're not even hiding behind the possibility of we'll see what happens. He's just He just keeps saying, well, it's not happening right now, but it's going to happen then.
2: Yeah. I mean, basically they get their TV deal done. Then they get the expansion uh, done. And like you said, they basically, we know where it's going to be. And not only is he not running away from expansion, like he is running full speed towards, uh, you know, laying the foundation for the NBA going to Las Vegas. And obviously the Las Vegas summer, it is crazy how much the summer league has become an event. Like... It's not too long ago that it was very rare to see people in the upper deck at all. Now, like there was games, that's legitimately sold out. There's all these, you know, events uh around it. It's it's you know, the the that sphere thing that's gonna cause a million car wrecks is is a basketball <laughs> promoting the uh the summer league. And then look uh owned by
0: James Dolan's company, by the way.
2: Oh, all right. Um, where is the uh, the final four for Adam Silver's you know precious new product the in season tournament going to be well it's going to be in Las Vegas of course where we're going to have a live pod sounds like Wendy uh, really the day of- I don't know about it- that no we'll see. I-, I think you at do. the
0: Sphere at the Sphere <laughs> on the top of the Sphere
2: <laughs> somewhere um, around there but they're gonna- I haven't seen they- any
0: pictures of the inside of the Sphere I'll bet the inside of the Sphere is pretty cool too.
2: Yeah, but so, and there's going to have all kinds of events around that, but basically they want their their little, I'm not going to say it, it's not mid-season, it's early season showcase season. to be in Vegas. They are they, doing everything. They changed they it
0: from do. mid-season to in-season.
2: Right. Which, it is. yeah, it's not mid-season. It's not even close to mid-season. That's but what... it's, you know, they're trying to create as as much interest in the NBA in Vegas as possible, which is smart. Given, you know, that uh, the Raiders have, have been a big draw in Vegas, whatever that hockey team's called, you know, they're about to build the, the A's a new ballpark. <laughs> they park. just
0: won the Stanley Cup.
2: I, first of all, I don't The, the
0: Golden Knights. Well, okay. anyway, re- he, let me just say this. The Golden Knights and the Aces, uh are champions. Yeah. Vegas is a city of champions. Good luck to the Raiders.
2: <laughs> and Good
0: luck A's. to the A's. Yeah. The um I can already tell you that there are multiple groups that are preparing to try to buy this expansion team in Las Vegas mm-hmm. that I know about. Much less what I don't know about. And so LeBron <laughs> is also not very veiled, indicated that he would like to be a part of the franchise yeah. in Vegas. And I could argue that LeBron James has made the NBA tens of billions of dollars. I don't even know if you could quantify his worth to the NBA. And, you know, if anybody other than Michael Jordan has earned an opportunity to get a team, it would be LeBron. But let me just say, even though we're years away from finding out the thing that I'm already wondering is I, there, 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 there's already arena being built in the process of being built on uh, south of the strip that is probably going to be the home of this team because they know they already know this is what's going to happen um, if this is going to be a bidding war or if they're going to just select somebody if they're going to mm-hmm. say okay the price is six billion what I don't I'm just guessing If right. the price is some billion and then there's like four bidders and then they select a bidder or if they're just going to auction it off and they're going to and it's just going to go go high 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 because my speculation is the lock should off. I don't know, but I think it could get wild. The other thing is in the new CBA, the players did get something else added to what they split with the owners. They added, they got some marketing funds that grew their pot. And that was, it looks to me from the outside, like that was a horse trade that they gave them. The, that to add to their pie, but didn't give them splitting the possible expansion revenue because expansion revenue is not indicated in basketball related income. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if a team sells for 3 billion, you know, expansion team comes in for 3 billion, each of the teams gets, gets 100 right. million. Here you go. Easy math. It won't be 3 billion. it'll be way higher than that, mm-hmm. but um, they don't share true. with the players. It's just, they take the check. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And the reason that's, you know, they also have to share the national TV money with them. It becomes a split one out of 30 to one out of 32. And so that's the math on that, but it will be interesting to see what I suspect is going to be a, not only a bidding war, but an influence war. Uh, We know that it looks like LeBron is lining up to represent somebody Mm -hmm. who else is going to be there trying to win over the, vote that will take place eventually whatever it is 2025 2026 it's already happening behind the scenes trust me so all right we gotta go uh thank you to mr Bontems. thank you to mr mcmahon thank you to jackson our producer thank you for listening to Hoop collective um i am taking some time off coming up as soon as joe cronin said months and months for dame willard i was like oh that sounds like uh time off but uh the pod will be, still be going on, but it'll be a little less frequent. I'm sure nobody's upset about that. All right. Thanks for listening to the Podcast.
2: Adios, amigos.